Political fallout continues after a mass shooting at a gay club in Colorado. Railroad unions threaten economy crippling strike and global redistribution is the new Biden climate change plan. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, there is no reason to give tons of money to Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over 80 bucks a month for wireless services when you get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. With Pure Talk, you get talk, text, and data that's just as fast for 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't actually go to or perks you don't use, massive profits to keep their shareholders happy, and data you're not actually going to access. Pure Talk, on the other hand, wants to keep you happy, which is why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's also why they give you so many more data options, because the more precise you are with your data plan, the less you are paying. Why would they charge you for data you actually don't need? I switched over to Pure Talk because I like supporting veteran-owned U.S.-based companies that have my best interests at heart. It took me less than 10 minutes to switch over. I'm saving a ton of money. You can do the same. Head on over to puretalk.com. Enter code Shapiro. Save 50% off your very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com. Promo code Shapiro for 50% off your very first month of coverage. Stop giving all your money to the big phone companies that really don't like your politics very much. Head on over to puretalk.com. Enter code Shapiro. Save 50% off your very first month of coverage. Also, have you ever heard of the sitting disease? You might want to sit down or rather stand up for this one. Studies show that prolonged sitting is associated with an increased risk for obesity, diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, and other chronic illnesses. Unfortunately, many of us spend the entire workday sitting flat on our butts. Protecting your health and wellness can be as simple as pushing a button on an E7 Pro Plus standing desk from FlexiSpot. Compared to a regular desk, the E7 from FlexiSpot, it's made to meet your individual needs, adjusting to your height, whether you are seated or whether you are standing. Alternating between sitting and standing helps relieve stiffness and pain, ultimately making you feel better throughout the day. The E7 Pro Plus Standing Desk, it is super sturdy. Crafted from automotive-grade carbon steel, the E7 can support up to 355 pounds. FlexiSpot is so confident in their premium materials and craftsmanship, they offer an industry-leading 15-year warranty on the E7. Well, right now, FlexiSpot is offering a huge Black Friday and Cyber Monday savings on the E7 Pro Plus Standing Desk with up to 160 bucks off. Plus, my listeners get an additional 20 bucks off with code Shapiro. Go to FlexiSpot.com. Use code Shapiro for up to 180 bucks off the E7 Pro Plus standing desk from FlexiSpot. The offer is good from November 25th through November 28th only. So you really have to take advantage of it right now. Go to F-L-E-X-I-S-P-O-T.com. FlexiSpot.com. Promo code Shapiro. On the aftermath of this horrifying shooting at a Colorado gay nightclub called Club Q, the political... Ramifications continue to be felt. People on the left continue to blame anyone who opposes drag queen story hour or people who believe that same-sex marriage is not on the same moral par as traditional marriage for the shooting. Here's the thing. The person who committed the shooting, we are still finding out, seems to be a person with significant mental illness. Again, this is always the common thread with with these mass shooters. These are not sane and rational people generally who decide to pick up a gun because they heard somebody on the radio. Instead, it's generally people with a significant mental illness, people with a history of violence, who decide that they are going to commit an act of violence for God knows what reason. According to the Wall Street Journal, the suspect was arrested on murder and hate crime charges according to police court records. Five people were killed and 19 injured when a gunman identified by the police opened fire inside the nightclub late on Saturday. We don't mention on this show or on the website, dailywire.com, we don't mention the names of mass shooters because they seek attention. They want attention. Would be better if the rest of the media followed suit, but since they won't, we will continue to, to say that we are not going to mention the names of mass shooters. Over a year ago, police confiscated firearms from the shooter after he held his family hostage at gunpoint, according to two law enforcement officials briefed on the investigation during that June 2020 incident. 
The shooter's mother told police her son was threatening to hurt her with a homemade bomb, weapons, and ammo, according to an El Paso County Sheriff's Office account of the incident at the time. The shooter was arrested on two counts of felony menacing and three counts of first-degree kidnapping. No explosives were found, the sheriff's office said at the time. The case never proceeded, and ultimately the files were sealed. I, I'm, I'm, why? The question should be, why? Guns were seized from the suspect pursuant to a search warrant, but authorities did not use the state's red flag law, according to a law enforcement official. So what is the purpose of red flag laws if you are not actually going to use red flag laws on people who hold their family at gunpoint and then threaten to blow up the house if police arrive? Under Colorado's red flag law, the shooter could have been barred from possessing or buying guns for at least 364 days after the bomb threat incident. The law allows family members and police to ask a judge to bar an individual from possessing firearms if they pose a significant risk of harming others or themselves with a gun. And then judges have an option to extend the order or cut it short. According to a report from the Colorado Attorney General's office, the law was used fewer than 125 times in 2020, the first year it was implemented. The report also said that more education was needed to ensure that the public knew how to use the law. Yeah, but where are the cops? Why didn't the police actually push for the removal of weapons from this obviously insane person? Democrat Steve Fenberg, the Colorado State Senate president, said he wants to know why the red flag law was not used, calling it a work in progress. This is fairly common across the country, unfortunately, that red flags always, literally always, except for the Las Vegas shooter, there are red flags always around these mass shooters and nobody does anything. And then everybody is shocked when people who are obviously a threat go and commit acts of evil. It also happens to be that this person actually changed his name. The shooter actually changed his name at the age of 15, apparently. According to the Washington Post, his parents separated when he was a toddler. When he was 12, his mother was arrested for suspected arson, according to court documents. She was later found guilty of a lesser offense in connection with the same incident. At age 15, according to the Washington Post, he became the target of a particularly vicious bout of online bullying in which insulting accusations were posted to a website along with his name, photos, and online aliases, according to a review of the site by the Washington Post. At some point, a YouTube account was created under his name featuring a crude profanity-laden animation under the title, Asian Homosexual Gets Molested. So this guy seems like a um, really solid player in society. For unstated reasons, just before his 16th birthday, he petitioned a Texas court with two of his grandparents' names on the document to legally change his entire name. His mom's name did not appear on the petition. Whether the events of the shooter's childhood had any bearing on Saturday's horrific violence is unknown, but public records and databases had been silent about this person for the first couple decades of his life. One of the reasons is because apparently he changed his name. Now, supposedly, the alleged shooter was on the membership rolls of a local Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but he was not active at the church to the best of the church's knowledge. The mayor of Colorado Springs said the shooting had the trappings of a hate crime. Okay, so here is what we know about the shooter. Not much, except he appears to have an extraordinarily troubled family history. He seems like a nut, considering that he was literally threatening his family with a gun. And we know that he was bullied when he was a kid. That's pretty much all we know. By the way, we should take a moment to, uh, to sound off on the heroism of Richard Fierro, who served 15 years in the military and who took down the shooter. This could have been, I mean, it was awful and, and horrible and five people are dead. It could have been significantly deadlier. According to the New York Times, Richard Fierro was at a table at Club Q with his wife, daughter, and friends on Saturday watching a drag show when the sudden flash of gunfire ripped across the nightclub and instincts forged during four combat deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan instantly kicked in. In an interview at his house on Monday, where his wife and daughter were still recovering from injuries, Fierro, 45, who spent 15 years as an army officer and left as a major in 2013, described charging through the cast of the club, tackling the gunman and beating him bloody with the gunman's own gun. He said, I don't know exactly what I did. I just went into combat mode. I just know I have to kill the guy before he kills us. So good for 
good for this person. This person is a hero, obviously. He had spent 15 years in the army. He now relishes his role as a civilian and father, watching one of his daughter's old high school friends perform, apparently, in this drag show. This could have been a lot deadlier if it were not for this hero taking down this, uh, this evil monster. Now, the media have decided that the real story here is not about failure to enforce a red flag law. The real story here is not about the inability of family to properly report violent mental illness. The real story here is that if you oppose same-sex marriage, that if you believe that drag queen story hour is bad, that if you believe that the politics of transgressivism and the philosophy of transgressivism is negative for the United States, the belief that, that subjective identity should not be the, the only moral yardstick that we use in order to measure how society makes its rules, if you believe any of those things, you are personally responsible for active evil. This is a game, again, the left loves to play. It is their favorite game. Almost every time there is some sort of mass shooting, generally by a person who is nuts, the immediate call is for suppression of speech that the left does not like. It does not matter what the shooting is about. The suppression of speech is the end goal of members of the media and on the left side of the political spectrum. This is how you end up with Brian Broom a columnist for the Washington Post, writing a piece called The Colorado Massacre Cannot Be Blamed on Mental Illness. It's rooted in hate. Well, I mean, it is hatred presumably preyed on by mental illness. And again, the way that this person defines hate is if you oppose our agenda, if you, if you refuse to celebrate all the things we wish you to celebrate, then you are a hater. It's not merely that you oppose the agenda and, and therefore we can have a debate about what society's rules should be. No, if you oppose the agenda, this means that you are a hateful person and you are responsible for a nut job shooting up a gay club in Colorado. According to Brian Broom, after the shooting at the LGBTQ Club Q in Colorado Springs, Representative Lauren Boebert, gun rights advocate and representative for her state's third congressional district, tweeted the following. The news out of Colorado Springs is absolutely awful. This morning, the victims and their families are in my prayers. This lawless violence needs to end quickly. In her tweet, Boebert left out the news that a lone gunman entered an LGBTQ space and began shooting, killing five and injuring at least 25. I'm betting Boebert did not mention these specifics because that would ruin her brand. The gun-toting, queer-hating, God-loving outlaw whose job it is to own the liberals. If she had tweeted the specifics of the night and its tragic outcome, it might cause some of her followers to see LGBTQ people as human beings and she can't have that. Or alternatively, she tweeted that a mass shooting was bad. And the murder of any American, any innocent American, is a horrific evil. And people should not murder other people at gay bars. I mean, like, I think everyone agrees on this. The notion that there's a wide spectrum of people on the right who disagree with this basic principle is a way of demonizing. It is a species of what philosophically we call emotivism, which is you attribute emotions to your enemies as opposed to arguments. It's not that you have solid, legitimate arguments in favor of societal rules regarding marriage. It's not that you have legitimate, logical arguments about why children should not attend drag, drag shows. No, it's all just hatred and rage and fear. That's the goal here. And that hatred and rage and fear, of course, lead to shootings, and so you are responsible. Says Brian Broom, I don't go to clubs and bars anymore, but when I was younger, queer spaces were a lifeline. They weren't just bars, they were shelters. All the Christians who seemed to delight in telling me that I was hellbound, this allowed me to escape all of their judgment, all the pressure to be a real man. Everyone should have such a place. For heterosexual people, that place is the whole wide world. For heterosexual people, that place includes public parks and restaurants and any street they care to walk down hand in hand. But LGBTQ people must find, or more accurately, create those spaces. And because of the shooting in Club Q, there is for now one fewer place for the queer community of Colorado Springs to go. You know who will get the blame for Colorado Springs, right? Each time these things happen, the right wing go-to is, is to blame mental illness. Well, 
yeah, I mean, yes. The guy literally threatened to, I don't understand why it's one, why that that issue is somehow not important to you. Again, let's say that you have half of Americans who disagree with you on your political agenda, which would be in a country of 330 million people, 150 to 170 million people who disagree with you on your agenda. Is the idea we have to shut down all 150, 170 million of those people because every year, perhaps a dozen insane people who clearly have red flags behind them go and commit acts of violence? That seems like overkill, would you say? That seems like trying to use evil incidents as an excuse to suppress your political opposition. It's right-wing rhetoric, says this columnist, that sparks these nightmares. Here's the bonus for the instigators. The bottomless list of homophobes and transphobes on the right don't need to throw the rock and then hide their hands. Instead, they use someone else's hands entirely. Ah, it's purposeful. So again, if you say a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl, this means that you are actively attempting to get someone to murder people at an LGBTQ club. Quote, after ginning up hatred for a particular community through fear, lies, and conspiracies, all they have to do is sit back and wait for someone to do their work for them. So Lauren Boebert is responsible for this. Nothing in politics, says Brian Broom, is effective as fear, and conservatives such as Boebert know exactly how to weaponize it. The conservative mind is more concerned that a drag queen, drag queen is entering a classroom to read a story to children than a gunman is entering a classroom to shoot them. And I will never understand that. Well, no, actually, that's not true. I mean, that's a lie. I'm very concerned about gunmen entering classrooms to shoot them, which is why I've suggested that schools be protected like banks. It's why I insist that my children's school have extraordinary protection for the kids. Also, I am deeply concerned about the indoctrination of children into transgressive social values. I do not think it is good for the country or good for children. But again, this is the shtick, and it's not just Brian Broom. It's almost every column today from the mainstream media. It's Michelle Goldberg over at the New York Times who has a piece titled The Massacre at Club Q was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time, you see. Because if you say drag queen story hour is bad, if you say that trans advocacy that claims that little boys and little girls should be taught they can be a member of the opposite sex and that we all have to socially transition them at the age of five, if you say that's bad, that you're responsible for murder, that's that's Michelle Goldberg's case. She says the police are still investigating the motive behind the shooting, but we know the suspect is facing hate crime charges and that the attack took place in a climate of escalating anti-gay and anti-trans violence and threats of violence. We also know that in recent years, the right has become increasingly fixated on all ages drag shows, part of a growing moral panic about children being groomed into gender nonconformity. It's not a moral panic when you literally say that children should be taught at the youngest ages that gender nonconformity is a biological imperative and a moral and a morally necessary adjunct to childhood. Club Q hosted a drag show on Saturday night and had an all-ages drag brunch scheduled for Sunday. Perhaps we'll learn something in the coming days that will put these murders, which took place on the eve of Transgender Day of Remembrance, into a new light. But right now, it seems hard to separate them from a nationwide campaign of anti-LGBTQ incitement. Okay, so we are just going to assume that this shooter decided to go and commit a shooting on Friday night and uh, or Saturday night in order to prevent a drag brunch scheduled on Sunday or something. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's right, but I noticed that you're jumping real fast to that conclusion because, again, the goal here, and it, it really is, it, it really is quite nasty. The goal here is to lump together everyone who says it is bad to take a four-year-old to watch men dance around scantily clad in women's clothing with people who murder people at gay clubs. 
Michelle Goldberg says, during the early years of Donald Trump's administration, conservatives downplayed the contempt for homosexuality and gender nonconformity that had once been central to their movement for grounding racial resentment instead. Oh, it wasn't that they got more, more tolerant. It was that they, they actually decided on the racism instead of the homophobia because, you know, species of evil. Opposition to gay marriage had become a political loser. It was hard to pose as champions of wholesome family values while enthusiastically supporting a thrice-married libertine who'd made a cameo in softcore porn. But in recent years, as a growing number of kids started identifying as trans, the puritanical tendency on the right has come roaring back. It's puritanical, you see, to say that boys are boys and girls are girls and teaching them the opposite is evil. She blames Chris Rufo, of course. She blames Ron DeSantis. She blames Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire. She says, now that a mass shooting has drawn attention to the danger of the rights dehumanizing language, many of those who have demagogued about trans kids and drag queens are painting themselves as victims. And then she quotes me tweeting yesterday, the quest by the Democratic leadership and media to link a horrifically evil shooting at a Colorado gay club to anyone who doesn't support a progressive social agenda is ongoing and terrible for the country. This, says Michelle Goldberg, was an attempt to frame any call for tolerance and responsibility as intellectual bullying. Well, I mean, you are claiming that people are responsible for activities they did not call for. I, I really look forward to the next time, God forbid, there is an attack on sitting Congress members at a baseball game, Michelle Goldberg writing a piece about how Bernie Sanders' rhetoric about healthcare is purely responsible for all of this. In an increasing climate of polarization and hate, con Congress people are being murdered at baseball games. I, I don't see that coming from her. And the idea is you must mirror their priorities or you are responsible for murder. And part and parcel of this is downplaying the actual problem of indoctrinating children into radical gender theory and LGBT politics. Right? You have to downplay it in order so you can pretend that it's a bunch of people out there who are making a mountain out of a molehill and then that mountain is resulting in death. That's the goal. And, and you have apparently like half of the staff at NBC News dedicated to this, dedicated to, to downplaying the, the problem of children being indoctrinated into radical gender ideology and exposed to sexualized adults cross-dressing. You have to downplay that. And then you have to play up the idea that if you even report on that stuff, you are now responsible for murder. This is the little game. Again, this is, this is, the, this is the face tattoo syndrome kind of stuff. I've talked about this before. Face tattoo syndrome is you walk into a Starbucks, there's a dude with a giant face tattoo. And then you look at him because he has a face tattoo. And he's like, why are you looking at me, man? Why are you because you have a face tattoo. That's why. But it's bad to look. This is the game that the left likes to play with radical gender ideology and children or drag queen story hour. What if we do something that is crazy and completely out of the box and targets kids? What if we do all of that stuff? And then you notice. You noticing is the bad part. In fact, you noticing could cause death. You must not notice. You must avert your eyes. You must pretend that it is an act of good. This is how you end up with senior NBC News reporter Brandy Zadrozny, who is engaging in extraordinary levels of journalisming here over on MSNBC suggesting that libs of TikTok and other people who actually report on Drag Queen Story Hour or all-ages drag shows targeting children for indoctrination into anti-traditional morality, that, that if you notice it, you're responsible for murder. Brandy, explain that when you hear that, your reaction to it, and then kind of walk us through how, how rhetoric online, rhetoric from politicians can ultimately trickle down into real life and seeing examples of what happened over the weekend. Yeah, the response is heartbreaking. I mean, it's a group of marginalized, vulnerable people who are um, disproportionately 
the victims of this, these sort of hate crimes who are just simply saying, please stop. Mm. Please stop making money and gaining political power on our backs and on violence against us. There is a pipeline. It starts from some smaller accounts online, like libs of TikTok. It moves to the right-wing blogosphere, and then it ends up on Tucker Carlson, or it ends up out of a right-wing politician's mouth. And it's a really dangerous cycle. Libs of TikTok will we'll put something up, like, you know, an actual poster from an actual public event. And then people might notice it and might get mentioned on shows like this one or on Tucker Carlson. And then a nutcase might go into an act of violence. Therefore, we should shut down libs of TikTok. You must not notice. You must never notice what exactly they are attempting to do with kids. In fact, says Brandy Zadrosny, even noticing that this thing happens is just evidence of bigotry. Because after all, drag queen shows for small children are wonderful. They're an active good. And it's not happening. And it's good that it is, is another one of the shticks that the left likes to play here. It's not happening. It's not a big deal, but also it's wonderful for children. And if you disagree, then you must be a stochastic terrorist. It is the term they like to use. Stochastic terrorist is their favorite term for free speech that I don't like. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, if you're looking for a great holiday gift this season, maybe the best holiday gift this season, you need to head on over to Legacy Box. Legacy Box is a simple, safe way to digitize your treasured videotapes, film reels, and photos. They've helped over a million families, including my own, do just that. You send in your tapes or photos. They'll send them back in a digital format that will always be protected from floods, mold, and other hazards. These irreplaceable moments can be easily viewed, shared, and passed on for future generations. Legacy Box is what Better Homes and Gardens calls the most sentimental gift for making this holiday season special. It means a ton to my family. We've done it, I believe, twice or three times at this point. Gone into my parents' garage, picked up all of their old photos and film reels, sent them to Legacy Box, and they came back digitized. We can actually watch them now. I'm seeing images of my family I've never seen before. It's amazing, amazing stuff. Legacy Box is giving my listeners their best deal of the year this Black Friday. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro to save 65% off your order. With limited quantities ready to ship, the deal's going to go fast. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Get 65% off today. That's LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro for the most meaningful gift that you could possibly give your family. Also, I'm thankful for a lot of people in my life. Thankful for my wife. Thankful for my parents. Thankful for the employees who have the toughness and stamina to actually do this difficult job. But you know where we got those employees in the first place? ZipRecruiter. So if you want employees that you are grateful for, go to ZipRecruiter right now. You can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Additionally, ZipRecruiter's complete suite of tools makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. So if you want a stress-free hiring process, trust me, you'll be thankful you tried ZipRecruiter. Just go to our special URL, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Once again, at ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. We've been using it for years. It makes it super easy for us to find the best employees for our jobs. You should do the same. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. So again, here is it. This is a senior NBC News reporter suggesting, in, in, I mean, this is, this is true expert journalism right here, that it does no damage to kids at all, psychologically, sexually, in any way, to take them to shows where men dressed as women gyrate in sexual fashion. It's at, kids love it, guys. They love it. Here's Brandy Zadrozny. 
the Denver Post covered it, about drag shows being targeted. What is going on with that? Yeah, because they targeted drag shows a lot, and in part because um, Drag Time Story Hour, where a drag queen would come, it was a ubiquitous in libraries all over the country had it. A drag queen would come read a story. It was fun. The kids loved it. Um, and then also some sort of um, friendly, friendly drag shows. It would be on a Sunday brunch. You could bring the kids. They'd see a show. And the far-right conservatives left on this, and they put it together with, frankly, the QAnon narrative that's been out. And it was, they're out to get your children. The QAnon narrative? What the, what is she even talking about? This is an expert. You're expert journalismist. My, my QAnon? Seriously? Can't I just say I don't think that it is good or appropriate to expose children to cross-dressing men? Like, what? what why is this? What, this is an act of violence. Children love it, guys. And if we, as we know, if children love a thing, that means it's good for them. My kids want to eat nothing but candy all day long. I should let them. They love it. They do. My kids like slapping the bleep out of each other. <laughs> Apparently, that's fine. Again, just because kids like a thing, first of all, I highly doubt if you watch the video of Drag Queen Story Hour, kids seem completely indifferent or confused because this is what kids are when they are confronted by something that makes no sense, such as being dragged by their politically radical parents to watch a man put on fake breasts and gyrate in front of them. It turns out this confuses children, which is the entire design. Again, the whole design from the left is confuse children, obliterate standards, and then pretend that you are freeing children from standards rather than creating a chaotic world for them that they are unable to navigate. It is a problem for children, but Brandy Zadrosny says it's good for kids. Therefore, it's good for kids, obviously. Or maybe you have senior NBC reporter Ben Collins. I don't know what's in the water over at NBC, but um, excellent reporting over from, um, from Ben Collins. He says, drag queen events with kids are fantastic. They're great. See, it wasn't enough to just say violence against gay people is bad. We all agree with this. Or violence against people who identify as transgender. That's bad. We all agree. Violence is bad. No, instead, they have to go all the way, all the way to, if you object to us sexualizing children, if you object to us sexually indoctrinating children, showing them imagery they shouldn't be shown, making them part of some weird fetishistic activity where men have to twerk in front of small children while dressed as women. And if you don't love that, you are responsible for murder. So here is Ben Collins, senior reporter. By, by the way, Ben Collins, I just have to point out, is an actual idiot. So Ben Collins tweeted out, he went after Nate Silver, who is the, the poll specialist over at 538. And he's like, ben, you know, Nate Silver specializes in being wrong about the polls. And then he tweeted out an image of the, of the 538 aggregated sort of poll expectation for 2022, in which it said that Republicans had a 59% chance of taking the Senate and Democrats had a 41% chance of taking the Senate. This apparently was Nate Silver being wrong. Okay, that's not Nate Silver being wrong. You just don't understand how percentages work. Steph Curry makes about 43% of his three-pointers. We're not supposed to be wildly surprised if he hits a three-pointer. Anyway, Ben Collins, who is um, a um, adult, here he is explaining that drag queen, drag queen events with kids are, are wonderful and enlightening and, and just fully fulfilling. For example, the Proud Boys will go and protest any drag brunch, any, um, any drag story hour, anything that a child might go to meet a, a drag queen, not you know, just to show them that they're human beings and people. They talk, they they go there and they they read Dr. Seuss there. They read uh, regular books, uh, but it's read by a drag queen, and they you know they have breakfast. Uh, it is not some hypersexual event, but that's what it's viewed as on the far right. It is purposefully transgressive. By the way, they don't just read Dr. Seuss. They read all sorts of stories about how boys are girls and girls are boys. 
And also, deliberately confusing children about standards of male and female is bad. It's bad. Yeah, but again, the, the, our, our reportorial experts say that if you oppose drag queens reading to three-year-olds in libraries, which, by the way, the whole point of Drag Queen Story Hour is, in fact, to usher children into a world of gender nonconformity. That is the goal. That is what they wish to do. That is the purpose of the thing. That if you object to that, you must be responsible for murder. This is, this is the game. So, for example, the Colorado Attorney General, a guy named Phil Weiser, he blamed hateful rhetoric. He did not characterize what the hateful rhetoric was, but apparently, again, if you just disagree with the left's social agenda, this constitutes hateful rhetoric. And using LGBT, members of the LGBTQ plus community as sort of political pawns in politics. Can you, can you speak to that, please? Absolutely. We are living at a time of rising hate and rising demonization. And all of us in leader, leadership positions have to recognize that our words matter. We can and we must have a more inclusive we the people. That's a phrase that Justice Ginsburg used. Oh, OK. So it's, 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 it's just hateful rhetoric. Is it, but we won't define hateful rhetoric. It's you oppose our agenda. That's hateful. Again, the idea here is not merely that you must treat people like human beings with decency. We all agree violence against other humans is wrong. We're all on the same page on that one. It's that you must cheer and you must celebrate. And by the way, all of the icons of your own belief system must be hijacked in order to celebrate, which is how you end up with Sonny Hostin, who is just a genius of the first order, explaining on the view that Jesus would be grand marshal at the pride parade. I, I may not be an expert on Christianity, but I'm going to go no on that one, that Jesus would be grand marshal at the pride parade. I have doubts. I have serious, serious doubts as to whether that is the case. Here is Sonny, Host, uh, Sonny Hostin, who is apparently some sort of um, ordained minister. They were in a safe place when this happened. They were in a place that accepts them for who they were. And someone came to that place. And that's well, this is so sad. The part- and I don't know that they hide behind religion because that- I said this on this show once before. Jesus would be the grand marshal at the pride parade. I don't mean I about really, gay really people. Really I mean in that. every argument we have. But here's the weaponized religion. religion. Um, okay. Jesus, grand marshal. Again, what is being required here is celebration. Not quote unquote tolerance, not acceptance, celebration. If you refuse to celebrate and mirror the agenda, you are complicit in murder. So you have Glad, the, the CEO of Glad, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, doing the same thing. She says that, that politicians' rhetoric is what leads to violence and hate. And this, this logic is never applied on the left side of the aisle. You have an entire side of the aisle, the Democratic side of the aisle, that promotes the lie that law enforcement is systemically racist for years and years and years. And then you get the single most violent spate of riots in American history in 2020. It's like, well, where did this come from? Who knows? It's it's a mystery wrapped in an enigma. But if you say that you oppose same-sex marriage, or if you say that small children should not be indoctrinated into the far-left social agenda, this means that you're responsible for violence and hate. When I feel as though that space was taken over by hate, discrimination, um, and, and that is a direct response from the rhetoric from these politicians that we've been seeing rhetoric does lead to violence and we have been we're seeing a 12 year high in hate crimes oh it's the rhetoric okay so this is all tied to if it's the rhetoric then we have to try and use social media in order to crack down on the rhetoric that's the goal here we have to we have to we have to lock this thing down 
We cannot have free speech. Free speech is the threat. So the same woman who is saying that it's politicians' rhetoric leading to violence and hate says that it's social media that's creating hate and polarization. So it's Elon Musk's fault. It's amazing how it always comes down to the same thing. What if we just silence you? How if we just silence you? And then there won't be violence anymore. Everything will just be hunky-dory. We'll be able to discriminate against you in every area of your life, which is exactly what the left would like, by the way. If you're if you in favor of traditional marriage, if you're not in favor of the indoctrination of your children into a radical gender ideological cult, if you're not in favor of that sort of stuff, they would like to have total control over your life. And they are cultural imperialists of the highest order. It's not about tolerance or acceptance for them. This is about cramming down their standard of social morality on you. But the only way they can do that is to make sure that you shut the hell up. And the only way to shut you up would be presumably to grab the controls of social media and use them against you, which is why they're so angry at Elon Musk for not doing that. So here's the Glad CEO saying that social media is creating hate and polarization. We can't have people talking. That's bad. We've seen in this past year about 300 anti-LGBTQ bills proposed. That creates an environment and culture of hate. We're seeing these large numbers happen because we're living in an environment that's driven by two things. Politicians who are using us to bolster their careers by creating division and hate. And number two is social media platforms that are monetizing hate and especially against marginalized communities. They're, they're choosing profits over hate and it's killing, literally killing our community. Literally killing, literally killing. No, literally killing would be the guy who actually shot a bunch of gay people at a nightclub because he's apparently insane and tried to threaten his mom with a gun and threaten cops with a bomb. But they didn't do anything to take his guns away. That, that, would be, that would be the person who did the actual killing. But the idea here is social media must crack down or there will be mass death. Now, the, the more unintelligent members of the Democratic caucus you know, go even further than this. They don't just say it's on a specific topic. They say it's about everything. So, for example, Maxine Waters, she, uh, she of the very warm relationship with Sam Bankman-Fried while sitting on the House Oversight Committee and the House Banking Subcommittee, uh, Maxine Waters, she says on MSNBC that Elon Musk reallowing Donald Trump to go on Twitter will lead to an upsurge in domestic terrorism. He will lead the domestic terrorists on Twitter, says Maxine Waters, who has suggested openly that people be confronted in public places if they disagree with her on politics. Congresswoman Waters, your reaction yes. to Trump being back on Twitter? Well, I'm terribly disturbed about it because I know uh, that he's going to try and use it to continue to organize um, his constituency. Uh, and uh, it also gives him an opportunity to try and make people believe why he should be president of the United States. So he's going to politicize it. He's going to use it. And all of those domestic terrorists uh, that he's leading will have a voice. And I'm very disturbed about it. And by the way, the, the, the solution for this is, of course, to deprive people like Elon Musk of their freedom. That is the goal. Right, so you have MSNBC's Anand Gerard Hardis, who apparently, as my friend Dave Rubin points out, is trying out for a slot as a Batman villain. Uh, and, and I don't know how else to explain the hair. He, um, he, he explains on MSNBC that it is our choice to allow billionaires like Elon Musk to exist, to exist. That, of course, is the way to stop violence, is to not allow Elon Musk and billionaires like him to exist. Here we go. But we can start with Elon Musk and what he's doing at Twitter. It appears to be a game to him, but letting Donald Trump back in the room. Kanye was posting uh, again yesterday as well. Um, what does it all add up to? You know, first of all, I think something we often forget as Americans is that billionaires exist as a class of people who have that much money at our collective pleasure. Right. It is a policy choice to allow 
some people to accumulate that much money, hundreds of billions of dollars in the case of people in the United States, before everybody has the chance to live with dignity. Right? Other countries make that choice very differently. We have chosen historically to heavily prioritize having billionaires over having dignity for all people. Oh, that's what, that, that's the choice, guys. Dignity for all people or people who are allowed to keep their money and own things. That because as we know, the Soviet Union was a place of great dignity. Great, great dignity. Impoverished places where there are no billionaires, places of amazing dignity. But the goal is always the same. Shut down free speech. Quash property rights. Do the things the far left wants to do and use people's deaths apparently as a, as a leverage point in order to achieve these goals. It's really quite horrific. And it's something that the left likes to do literally all the time. And the idea is that you must be shut up so as to protect me. Ilhan Omar is doing that as well. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let me tell you about how I made my home look better. That was great window coverings from blinds.com. See, here's the thing. You don't think about the way that light flows into your home, but you do need great window coverings, not those dingy old blinds that have been up there for 20 years. Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings with over 40,000 five-star reviews. Everything they sell is covered by their perfect fit and 100% satisfaction guarantee. You can measure and install yourself or have Blinds.com take care of it with local professionals. There's no showroom, no retail markets, no matter how many you order, installation is just one low cost. With hundreds of styles and colors to choose from, Blinds.com is sure to have the perfect treatment for your windows. Shop the Blinds.com Black Friday sale right now through November 25th. Save up to 50% off everything, plus doorbusters. That's 50% off site-wide. Plus doorbusters on premium brands at blinds.com. When you check out online, don't forget to tell them you heard about blinds.com from the Ben Shapiro Show. Rules and restrictions do apply. Plus, you can pay over time with PayPal credit at blinds.com. PayPal credit is subject to credit approval. Visit blinds.com slash PayPal for details. Upgrade your home the way I did mine. Go to blinds.com right now and check them out. Also, the new Daily Wire Plus store is live. It is your one-stop shop for everything worth giving because the fact is nobody wants a BLM hoodie or a trans talking doll this year. They're not in season. Go to dailywire.com slash shop. Check out all of our wares, including the Ben Shapiro collection. If you're quick, you can pick up one of my autographed Old Glory baseball bats, a Make America Florida t-shirt, or snap up my official Facts Don't Care merch. Shipping is free on orders over 75 bucks. With orders over 100 bucks, you get a free leftist tears tumbler. Head on over to dailywire.com slash shop today. Also, Tonight is my book club, Ben Shapiro's book club, 8, 7 Central. We'll be discussing King Lear by William Shakespeare, of course, the greatest of William Shakespeare's plays, also the most devastating of his plays. You must be an all-access member to get in on the fun. So head on over to dailywire.com slash Ben to become a member. Join me tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Central. All righty. Meanwhile, the, the game that the left loves to play, it just never stops. The idea is that if I am threatened with violence, it must be because you need to shut up. So Ilhan Omar is doing that now. She is suggesting that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is fomenting violence against her because he says that he is going to keep her off the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, of course, that's turnabout as fair play. You remember that Nancy Pelosi decided that she was going to boot a couple of Republicans off of committees. Now, I may not like those Republicans very much, but that ain't her job. Parties get to pick the members of the committees. When they're in the minority, you pick the members of your party who you wish to be on the committee. Nancy Pelosi broke those rules, and now Kevin McCarthy is going to do the same thing. So now Ilhan Omar has put out a statement talking about what a victim she is. And people need to need to stop saying mean things about her because it's causing people to threaten her with violence. Don't threaten Ilhan Omar with violence. It's evil to threaten people with violence. Also, Ilhan Omar is a terrible person and a garbage congresswoman. Those two things can live comfortably in one's head. My favorite part of her statement is where she tries to attribute anti-Semitism to the Republican caucus. First of all, get the word anti-Semitism out of your mouth, Ilhan Omar. 
Ilhan Omar lecturing anyone about anti-Semitism is the equivalent of O.J. Simpson lecturing anybody about marital delicacy. The answer is no. Ilhan Omar has backed every single anti-Semitic measure brought up by the United States. She brought most of them up herself. She hobnobs with people who are warm toward terrorism. At the very, very least, she's engaged in anti-Semitism herself fairly clearly, repeatedly. And yet again, the idea is that if you point any of this out, then you're increasing the violence against her. She says, McCarthy's efforts to repeatedly single me out for scorn and hatred, including threatening to strip me from my committee, does nothing to address the issues our constituents deal with. It does nothing to address inflation, healthcare, or solve the climate crisis. What it does is gin up fear and hate against Somali Americans. Wait, what? What? Are you standing for all Somali Americans now? And anyone who shares my identity and further divide us up along racial and ethnic lines. Again, listening to this lady talk about divisions along racial and ethnic lines after engaging in the intersectionality lie is, is quite amazing. And then she says, I will not stop fighting for an America that does not single out people based on their race or religion. Actually, that's pretty much all she fights for is an America that judges people based on race and religion. It's, but, but this is the shtick. This is the shtick. Everything I don't like is violence. Speech is violence. And policies I don't like are a form of white supremacy. This is the point of a column over at the Los Angeles Times by a person named Gene Guerrero, claiming that if you oppose affirmative action, you also are a white supremacist, probably a violent white supremacist. So Gene Guerrero says the Republican activists leading a decades-long assault on affirmative action, which is poised to succeed in the Supreme Court, claim they want to eliminate racism and create a colorblind society. Their propaganda is so persuasive that 73% of Americans, including most people of color, believe race or ethnicity should not be a factor in college admissions. That's an amazing line. I love that. The white supremacists are so good at their job that even a majority of black people are like, we don't like affirmative action, apparently. That's how good the white supremacists are. They are so clever. She says, those same activists who have stoked the flames of antagonism toward affirmative action have close ties to the architects of this country's metastasizing white nationalist movement. These links reveal the activist's ultimate agenda, which has nothing to do with ending racism. Among them is Ward Connerly, former University of California regent. Now, I know Ward Connerly. Uh, Ward Connerly is not a white nationalist. He is a black man. In 1996, he spearheaded the first state ban on considering race or gender in public education. Last month, Connerly, who has been formerly protested being labeled a black man, spoke outside the Supreme Court at a rally for his dear friend, Edward Blum, who's leading the high-profile lawsuits against Harvard University and the University of North Carolina. And Connerly said, Dr. King had a dream. I have a nightmare. Diversity and equity and inclusion will be the death of the country that we love. Well, I mean, that means that um, Connerly is evil. So is Larry Elder, by the way. Larry Elder, another black man who is apparently white. Just solid stuff here from this LA Times columnist. The white supremacists are behind everything. Lower courts have consistently recognized universities have a legitimate interest in diversifying because it benefits all students and better prepares them for a multiracial world. And they've recognized that other mechanisms for achieving it aren't nearly as effective. But diversity has never been the goal of affirmative action's opponents. The long history of ties to racist groups shows what the movement's goals really are to preserve white power and to cynically enlist us all in that project. Okay, first of all, if you want to preserve white power, then presumably you wouldn't make it like your chief goal to get Asians into college, which is essentially what these lawsuits do. Because it's Asians who have been disproportionately harmed by affirmative action, not white Americans. Okay, but it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing over and over and over from the political left. If you oppose us, you are a white supremacist. You are probably a, you are certainly a bigot. You are probably violent. You are driving violence. And so you have to shut up. You need to be quiet. Remember, the same people who are labeling things white supremacy will also then suggest that 
virtually every authority in American life, from the unofficial to the official, be used to quash said violence and evil. You cannot have a democratic republic on this basis. You cannot. If your opponents are so outside the realm of reason that you cannot have discussions about their ideas, you have to blame them for acts of violence without any indicator that they want the act of violence, like any indicator that they want the act of violence, then you can't have, you just cannot have a functional republic on this basis. You can't. And I don't think the left wants a functional republic on this basis. Increasingly, the mainstream left used to be just the hard left. Now it's the mainstream left increasingly blaming its political opponents for every act of violence they can find under the sun as a predicate to cracking down on speech. That's that's truly dangerous stuff for the freedoms that Americans enjoy. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into a global redistribution plan from the Biden administration plus an economy about to be turned upside down. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.